Section 31 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. The Military, Part 2. Finding. National Guard and DOD response operations were comprehensive, but perceived as slow. National Guard response. I am particularly proud of the timelines and magnitude of the National Guard's efforts in advance of Hurricane Katrina, and our response in its immediate aftermath. National Guard forces were in the water and on the streets of New Orleans, rescuing people within four hours of Katrina's passing. More than 9,700 National Guard soldiers and airmen were in New Orleans by the 30th of August. The National Guard deployed over 30,000 additional troops within 96 days of the passing of the storm. Lieutenant General H. Stephen Bloom, Chief, National Guard Bureau. When reports on the catastrophic damage in Louisiana and Mississippi began to flow in, the National Guard Bureau did not hesitate to act. The NGB took responsibility for coordinating the flow of Guard resources and personnel from all 50 states to speed up the process and increase efficient use of resources as requirements from coastal states grew beyond their ability to coordinate individual state-to-state -state compacts. The NGB Joint Operations Center, NGBJOC, worked closely with the Army National Guard Crisis Response Cell and the Air National Guard Crisis Action Team to source and move these forces into the Gulf Coast. Initially, this operated via a push methodology, with supporting states pushing available forces based on the requirements identified by the Adjutants General and the supported states. As situational awareness improved, this gradually transitioned to a poll process whereby supported states submitted requests for forces through the NGBJOC to be sourced by the supporting states. NGB operated its Joint Operations Center around the clock to coordinate all National Guard actions associated with information sharing between Office of the Secretary of Defense, the Army, and the Air Force, Northern Command, State Emergency Operations Centers, and other DOD liaison officers. This coordination supported National Guard response activities in the affected states. One of the challenges of Katrina for the Department of Defense was the lack of protocols set by Northern Command for information flow between the separate DOD entities. On Tuesday, August 30th, State Adjutants General reported the following troop deployments to the NGB. 5,149 to Louisiana, 2,826 to Mississippi, 1,066 to Alabama, and 753 to Florida for a total of 9,794. At this time, Louisiana and Mississippi were supplemented by guardsmen from nine other states. In position and responding were 64 Army National Guard aircraft that reported 186 search and rescue missions performed, 1,017 patients moved, 1,910 evacuees, 91 cargo movements, and 29 food and water movements. On August 31st at 7.21 a.m., Lieutenant General Bloom and Army National Guard Director Lieutenant General Clyde A. Vaughn placed a phone call to Louisiana State Adjutant General Landrino. The following is a record of their conversation. General Bloom. Benny, how are things going? General Landrino. Sir, we've had a difficult night. General Bloom, what do you need? General Landino, we need 5K soldiers to help out. The armory is flooded. My command and control is at the Superdome. We have a lot of undesirables here trying to cause trouble. General Vaughn, hey Benny, can we drive to the Superdome? General Landrino, 
No, sir, we are cut off by the rising water along with the armory. General Vaughn. Where do you want us to send the incoming soldiers? General Landrineau. Sir, send them to the intersection of Interstate 310 and State 10. General Bloom. Benny, when's the last time you got any sleep? General Landrineau. Well, sir, I think two days ago. General Bloom. Listen, you need to get some rest. You sound exhausted. General Landrineau. I'll try, sir, but every time I lay down, someone gets me up for a little emergency. General Bloom. Try and get some rest. This is an ongoing effort, and we need your energy. General Vaughn. Benny, we're going to push help, so be ready. On Wednesday, August 31st, Bloom set up a teleconference with all the state adjutants general at noon to coordinate full capabilities of National Guard to be deployed as rapidly as possible to save life and limb. Every state adjutant general reported their guard forces deploying or available for deployment. On Thursday, September 1st, at 11.30 a.m., Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld and Bloom met with President Bush to discuss the National Guard response. At this briefing, the President agreed with Rumsfeld that the National Guard was responding effectively to the disaster and chose not to federalize Guard troops. At 1.15 p.m., Bloom was asked to be part of a DHS press conference with Chertoff and McHale to discuss federal assistance to the Gulf. At 5.30 p.m., after coordinating with McHale and Rumsfeld, Bloom departed for Belchasse, Louisiana, and immediately met with Louisiana State Adjutant General Landrineau at the Superdome. Later that evening, Bloom met with Governor Kathleen Blanco to discuss troop and resource requirements in Louisiana. Also during this time, federal officials considered ways to structure a unified command. According to Deputy Homeland Security Advisor Ken Rapuano, federal officials discussed with Blanco federalizing the National Guard. President Bush ultimately offered Blanco a memorandum of agreement concerning authorization consent and use of dual-status commander for JTF Katrina, making Honoré as commander of the Joint Task Force Katrina a member of the Louisiana National Guard. An excerpt from a DOD letter drafted for Governor Blanco to President Bush explained how the command would have been structured under the proposal. In order to enhance federal and state efforts, and if you grant permission, I would like to appoint the regular Army officer commanding the Federal Joint Task Force Katrina to be an officer in the Louisiana National Guard. I would assign him to command the National Guard forces under my command. Thus, President Bush's proposal would not have put National Guard troops under federal control. Rather, the proposal would have put Honoré under Blanco's command in the chain of command over National Guard troops in Louisiana. In this proposal, Honoré would have served in two capacities first as the commander of federal troops ultimately answering to the president, and second as the commander of the Louisiana National Guard answering to Blanco. This proposal was intended to establish a single command for all military operations in Louisiana. Blanco wrote to President Bush on September 3rd declining this proposal. The governor only agreed to the importance of creating a single military commander for federal forces that could enhance the contribution of over 25 National Guard states currently being commanded by the Louisiana State Adjutant General. As a result, Federal troops remained under one command, Honoré and Northern Command, while the National Guard remained under the separate command of Landrineau and the Governor. Administrative matters proved to be a challenge as well for National Guard troops deploying under Emergency Management Assistant Compacts, EMAC, with various states. Since these forces were activated in state-to-state -state agreements, they were on state active duty and subject to the rules and entitlements authorized by their respective home states. This plethora of statuses made administration problematic for the National Guard and led to a request that these forces be activated under Title 32 of the U.S. Code. This federal status permits uniform administration while allowing continued command and control by the governor. Numerous state adjutants general suggested the National Guard Bureau request that Guard troops be activated under Title 32. In response, the National Guard Bureau strongly advocated for the use of Title 32. 
not only because it allowed governors to retain control, but because it was the right thing to do for the soldiers and airmen. Each state has a different way of handling pay and benefits under state active duty. We had soldiers and airmen operating under 54 different payroll systems and receiving different benefits, such as medical care and disability coverage. Our forces needed the protection provided by DOD entitlements. Between September 2nd and September 5th, the governors of Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana sent letters to the Secretary of Defense asking for all National Guard assets to be put under Title 32. Bloom then discussed putting the Guard on Title 32 status with McHale, and together they submitted a formal Title 32 request to Rumsfeld. On September 7th, Deputy Secretary of Defense Gordon England approved Title 32 status retroactive to August 29th. On September 8th, the NGB noted 50 states, two territories, and the District of Columbia had contributed forces in support of operations in Louisiana and Mississippi. National Guard forces reached peak deployment numbers for Katrina relief, with over 50,000 personnel mobilized on this day. Army National Guard Four hours after landfall, Army National Guard helicopters are performing rescue missions with 65 helicopters positioned in Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. NORTHCOM Timeline Hurricane Katrina, 1306. The Army National Guard contributed heavily to the Katrina response, including the primary priority of search and rescue, evacuation, and commodity distribution. Distribution of water, ice, and food from military stockpiles in the days immediately following landfall was done at both designated and undesignated distribution sites. The Army Guard also provided much-needed military transportation, helped clear debris from the roads and residences, and provided assistance to law enforcement. Unlike their active duty counterparts, the National Guard is not restricted from performing law enforcement duties under federal law, and thus rendered considerable assistance to civilian law enforcement efforts. According to the daily log of Mississippi National Guard activities prepared for the select committee, the majority of the mission requests were for security, a mission that would only increase in the weeks following landfall. The following chart contains the number of Army National Guard present in the Gulf states. August 26, 922. August 27, 1701. August 28th, 4,444. August 29th, 6,908. August 30th, 9,668. August 31st, 10,428. September 1st, 14,284. September 2nd, 18,678. September 3rd, 24,548. September 4th, 29,588. September 5th, 33,608. September 6th, 38,093, September 7th, 39,736, September 8th, 40,667, September 9th, 42,164, September 10th, 42,257, September 11th, 42,264, September 12th, 41,530, September 13th, 40,928, September 14th, 41,119, September 15th, 38,831. Air National Guard. August 30th, the Air National Guard launches its first Air National Guard JTF Katrina mission. A C-17 crew was signed to the 172nd Fighter Wing, Mississippi ANG, flew its first sortie in support of hurricane recovery. The mission lasted for three days. They airlifted 85 civilians from Gulfport. Northcom Katrina Timeline 122.05. The director of the Air National Guard, Lieutenant General Daniel James III, told the select committee the efforts of the Air National Guard during Hurricane Katrina represented the largest military airlift operation supporting disaster relief in the United States. But the Air National Guard brought more than evacuation, rescue, and airlift capabilities to the response. The Air National Guard also has an emergency medical capability. 
ANG medics treated over 13,000 patients by September 19th. Expeditionary medical support, EMEDS units, provided medical personnel and equipment to support up to 10 major trauma surgeries without resupply. The Air National Guard also has a large civil engineering capability in its Rapid Engineer Deployable Operational Repair Squadron Engineer, Red Horse Squadrons. Some of the highlights of ANG activity in the first few days following landfall include August 29th, Aeromedical Evacuation Squadron positioned to respond in Mississippi, 50 ANG medical personnel at Naval Air Station New Orleans. August 30th, the ANG launches its first Air National Guard JTF Katrina mission. A C-17 crew assigned to the 172nd FW Mississippi ANG flew its first sortie in support of hurricane recovery. The mission lasted for three days. They airlifted 85 civilians from Gulfport. All ANG airlift and tanker units put on alert and places all aircrew on Title 32 status. Texas ANG starts reconnaissance, activates search and rescue personnel and security forces to Louisiana. ANG establishes tanker airlift control center. August 31st. ANG sources a NORTHCOM request for ANG combat weather team to New Orleans. ANG reports 700 ANG civil engineer and 350 Red Horse personnel available. Tennessee and Oklahoma ANG help evacuate 143 patients from the New Orleans Veterans Hospital. The 259th ATCS Louisiana Air National Guard deploys their MSN-7 mobile control tower to the Superdome. September 1st. First Air Force, composed of ANG wings across the country, is tasked to lead for planning, orchestrating, and overseeing all Air Force support to Joint Task Force Katrina. Gulfport, Mississippi is designated the main operating base for sustaining ANG hurricane relief efforts, including evacuation. ANG Expeditionary Medical Support, EMEDS units, civil engineering units, arrive in Mississippi and New Orleans. On this day, ANG pararescue men are credited with 48 air saves and 250 boat saves in New Orleans. ANG combat controllers provide air movement for 750 helicopter sorties, where 3,000 people are evacuated. From September 1st through 9th, ANG from Alaska and Oregon pushed through 3,169 military and civilian helicopter sorties at multiple landing zones in New Orleans. ANG aircraft and crew would fly 2,542 sorties, airlifting 21,874 people and 11,110 pounds of cargo in support of hurricane relief. September 2nd, 149th Air National Guard Surgical Team established field hospital and parking lot adjacent to New Orleans Convention Center. The National Guards of other states also played key roles in the Hurricane Katrina response. Through Emergency Management Assistant Compacts, EMAC, Louisiana and Mississippi were able to request and receive assistance from scores of states from across the country. While the EMAC process is a direct state-to-state -state relationship, both FEMA and the National Guard Bureau participated in negotiations to facilitate the identification and procurement of specific types of assistance from other states. There was a consensus among federal, state, and local officials that EMAC worked well. These troops served in Title 32 status and were therefore commanded by the respective governors of Louisiana and Mississippi and paid with federal funds. Louisiana the Louisiana National Guard conducted roving patrols, manned checkpoints, and supported the New Orleans Police Department in the parishes. The Army National Guard also secured key infrastructure sites, including levees, and provided support for general-purpose shelters and special-needs shelters with medical personnel. One of the Guard's largest missions was to provide security and other support at the Superdome. Approximately 250 Guardsmen were at the Superdome, searching entrance for weapons and providing them with food, water, and medical attention, and attempting to maintain law and order. 
After Katrina hit, the National Guard was deeply involved in search and rescue operations to save people after the levees breached and many areas flooded. Their role included both helicopter and boat sorties to rescue people from roofs and flood waters and to take them to high ground. They were also part of the more deliberate post-flood activities to go house to house and search for survivors and victims. The National Guard also had a law enforcement mission beyond the shelters, e.g. the Superdome, to help restore law and order through street patrols and other activities in support of the overtaxed New Orleans Police Department. One of the National Guard's law enforcement missions was to secure the convention center and generally maintain order there as occupants were evacuated. They provided food, water, and medical treatment and searched evacuees as they boarded buses. Because the National Guard was never federalized, they could fully participate in all law enforcement missions. Finally, the National Guard played a key role in logistics and transportation, using their high-clearance vehicles and helicopters to ferry personnel and supplies into and out of flooded areas. For example, they transported and distributed food into the Superdome and supported the evacuation of its occupants. The Louisiana National Guard received much assistance from many states across the country through EMAC. Examples of the specific deployments included 2,426 infantry from Pennsylvania, 1,016 military police from Puerto Rico, 580 security troops from Michigan, 500 support troops from Arkansas, 535 security troops from Massachusetts, 350 security forces from Tennessee, 315 transportation and logistics troops from Alabama, 310 maintenance troops from Illinois, 250 air traffic controllers from Texas, and 221 truckers from South Carolina. In total, Louisiana made 451 EMAC requests, and 29,502 National Guard troops responded from other states to undertake these missions. End of section 31.